Australia. Quake Cooper for the win. It's on its way. It's on its way. It's gone. Quake Cooper is the man. Hello and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast. We're diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly and positive, so get involved. Get involved. Mitch, how's your week been? Yeah, good, good. Uh, Had a Waratahs trial over the weekend, so great to be back into the season and have some rugby to watch. You got to go down there and, and be there in person, so how was that? Let's start with that, first of all. Well, Nate, um, we started the way that we're going to finish with a glorious victory over the Brumbies, and um, it is going to basically be the launching point for a dominant title tilt this season for the Waratahs. That's that's my prediction. Should I should I remind you what happened last year? When um, we I've blanked it out Reds, of... <laughs> or did we not talk about that? Or when we got the uh, Jake Gordon's try in the first two minutes of the opening game and then got yeah. spanked, what, 41-7 or something? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I went down and you you had a really busy week, so I just went down solo and um, had the great opportunity of meeting up with um, friends of the pod, rugby aficionados, Sheepy and Steve Lenthal. So shout out to those two guys for the company. It was great fun to meet you both. And got to watch both the Super Waratahs, or super, super Women Waratahs and the men as well. Yeah. I said that wrong, but you know what I mean. The Super um, W saw the, World team. Watched the men and the women's teams. Yep. And yeah, it, it was great to be down there. Pretty good crowd. Bunch of um, famous faces like uh, Kafer, Stony Mortlock, Matt Burke. Um, Angus Gardner was the referee for the men's game yep. as well. So he's coming back from back injury. And yeah, overall, Waratahs got up um, for the Brumbies match. Uh, they got up, but it was not really one that you take much, put much stock in a result. The Waratahs had their close to starting um, team on the park for about 60 minutes of the 90. Whereas the Brumbies, I was standing right near the Brumbies bench and there were about oh, seven or eight Wolves players just, just sitting around, just watching and having a chat. So they had a lot more firepower to bring yeah. on. Yeah, for sure. It's it's exciting as a Waratahs fan to see the performance that was put out. There were mm. a number of good positives that came out of the trial in just the way the Waratahs handled the game and managed it for the majority of the the comp- the, the three halves that they played. Uh, the Brumbies scored early through some halfback who probably we won't ever see again in Super Rugby and just seem to why be you, making up the numbers. Why do you numbers. do nothing but hurt me? Why do you do nothing but hurt me? You mean the captain of the Brumbies, Ryan Lonergan, who I got a photo with? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. don't think I've heard of that name before. Anyway, uh, so they scored off some pretty poor defense from the Waratahs early on. Yeah. But from that point on, really, the Waratahs really seemed to take control of that game. And it was good to see for the majority of the younger players that were playing for the Waratahs last year, the ability and the changes that have they've made, they've put on some weight, they've put on some size, and they were able to just really control things. They controlled the set piece, they controlled the key moments in the game. So that was really good to see. As you did say before, Endo, it very much was the Waratahs 95% team that we will see come round one and 12% maybe of the Brumbies team. <laughs> but it is good to see that they are able to start gelling things together for this Waratahs team. And um, yeah, it was, it was good. I'm excited as a fan. 
couple of quick takeaways. Um, Mark Noanganitawase actually had a pretty poor game. The weather conditions were atrocious, but he, on a few of his handles, dropped the ball two or three times out of the maybe four or five runs I saw him do. Um, James Turner, who, if you remember, was one of the wingers last year who um, just kept slipping over left, right and centre because it came out afterwards he had moulded boots and didn't have the longest sprigs in his boots. He scored two cracking tries uh, in, a, in a corner on the left wing. So he did really, really well. Uh, ben Donaldson scored an awesome try and generally directed the team around the park fairly well from 10. Will Harrison didn't get as much game time, which is pretty disappointing to see and looks like he's picked up a bit of an injury. Um, according to Harry from uh, draft rugby who's a physio thinks it might be an ac joint injury um, from the looks of things and might well be out for four to six weeks potentially although that's not official yep. and what else is there um tain edmed is bloody fast that that's one thing i wanted to say he's a lot faster in person than he looks like on a tv screen and on the brumby side of things uh it was quite concerning that of the two playmakers that we've spoken about Rod Iona, the backup to Noah Alessio, did come off early in his second, the second quarter with a calf injury. So yep. hopefully nothing too serious that will keep him out because already before the season starts, it is worrying. And that's one of the yep. things we spoke about for the Brumbies mm-hmm. in our preview was that they don't have a lot of stock there in the number 10 jersey and they only need one or two, one player to pick up a, an injury and they're starting to really lose that depth. And the fact that yep. they might start the season with one with the backup player and not... Uh, not fit and ready to go is worrying. Yeah, he had a fair bit of ice strapped to his his left calf, I think it was. Um, and he, he looked pretty happy. He was standing like five minutes away from me. He didn't look particularly distressed or concerned. Might have been a bit more of a twinge, but yeah, mm. it's, it's a little bit concerning for them that he yeah. had to come off early. Uh, final couple of points I'll make. Um, and this is not just me fanboying over Ryan Lonergan, but he has he's genuinely has put on a bit more muscle and weight and has bulked up a bit. A lot of but people person, have said that, but I yeah. I was watching the stream. So you were there in person, so you've probably seen it. He didn't look that yep. bigger to me, but I was watching yep. a choppy stream from home. Yeah, like Jake Gordon's a lot taller than yep. he is, but um, Ryan Lonergan just was a bit more squatter and kind of... Yeah, I don't know. He was wider. <laughs> wider, but like swole. Um, and then the final point is Nick Frost is a freaking giant. And like, cool, he's a lock. Yeah, he's going to be tall. But my God, like I'm six foot two mm. on a good day. And he towers over me and is was easily the biggest player on either of the teams. Right. In terms of bulk. So yeah. he's had a big off season. And he is a massive, massive boy considering he's only 20 or 21. Yeah. Um, so he's got a lot of development to go and some of the hype about him may well be real if his physical development is anything to go by. Yeah. That, that's that been a bit of a trend in this game, from this game. We've seen there's a lot of players that have stepped up and had a really big off-season and pre-season are looking really fit and firing and ready to go. But I think we've spoken enough about the Waratahs and the Brumbies, considering this is our Melbourne Rebels podcast. That's so, Andrew, true. what are we doing tonight? Well, tonight we are going to be, in a moment, giving you a couple of updates about um, some tipping competitions and stuff. But we are going to be hearing from the legend, the man himself, Cam, or I got to sit down and have a chat with him about oh, a week and a half ago now. Yep. And it was awesome to spend a fair bit of time digging into some of his and the team's reflections on the 2021 season, as well as previewing the 2022 uh, 
what their overall approach or strategies are for the season, what their hopes or aims are, and any players to be watching out for. Once we've chatted with Cam, we'll then go through into our personal uh, preview of their season. Fantastic. Fantastic. So for, for those who are new to the podcast, we are on social media. We do have a few different platforms. So we're on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We're on Facebook at the Pick and Drive Rugby podcast page. Definitely give us a like and a follow there. And we're also on Twitter at pick underscore drive rugby. Uh, what is exciting, and we will put in some more information about this upcoming bit of news on our social media. So do definitely follow us there so you are up to date. But as Ando alluded to before, we are reinstating our tipping comp from last year. So the platform that we use is called Superbrew. If you're a rugby fan, you will most likely have heard of it. It seems to be one of the only tipping comps out there or tipping platforms. So we've got a, a comp that's open to the public. We can have as many people as we like. So if you create an account, sign up, put your support into whoever team you're following and then just search for Pick and Drive Rugby you will find our tipping comp. Uh, we give a shout out every week to the winner who takes out the yellow cap each week. At the end of the season, we've got a trophy that we will give to the winner and we've also got a shield where we inscribe the winner's initials uh, on the shield as well. So it's a pretty exciting thing. It's pretty fun. There's a banter page as well, which didn't get a whole lot of use last year. So hopefully this year we can get that up and running and get a bit of banter going along between the fans and stuff. But definitely get involved with that and check out our socials for the link to that pool. Very keen, mate, and it's going to be good to once again be proven that we don't know what we're talking about and be mid-table at the bottom of the ladder whilst everyone, such as Lookerbox, smashes us week after week. It's going to be fun. It will. It will. All right, mate, why don't we uh, get out of the way and let Cam or tell us about the Rebels. Let's get into it. All right, we now move to the wonderful part of the pod where we have our very special guests on. And I'm not sure if anyone becomes or comes more special than Cam or himself. How are you, Cam? I'm well, I'm well. Thank you for having me back on. I love it. I'm back. It's an absolute pleasure, mate. You are basically becoming a regular on the show. Uh, we'll have to give you a bit of a stipend for coming on next time, maybe. Don't quote me on that one. Uh, but like I said, it's good to have you back on the pod. So today is Monday. What has Monday looked like in the life of a preseason Rebels player? Well, it was actually a yeah, pretty busy day today. Um, just just sort of covering off a lot of the, the, the big blocks that we're sort of trying to target this preseason. Um, and then there was a lot of fitness. So, um, as you can imagine, middle of preseason, trying to get the best out of blokes. So, um, yeah, we're, we're lucky. Our, our coaches really, really designed our trainings around our big blocks, but then also trying to target, you know, the main fitness element and, the, and that and producing good results. So, it was a big, big gym element today and then a field session too, which was a lot about attacking rugby. So it's actually probably one of the most fun days of the week because you just get to throw the ball around and you don't normally get to see it in a training session, but you've got props who then throw 10, 15 metre passes in, hey, in the middle of training. And this well is your done. opportunity to yeah, to, to throw the ball around a little bit. So guys like Kabu Siloff and uh, Pone <laughs> Famasuli, they, uh, they they live for these days because it's a chance to open up the legs and and live their, live their other lives dream. You know, really, has, really stretch it out. Has Caboose been practicing those little tap restarts again just to work on the skills he demonstrated last season? I think they're about to write it in his contract. 
that if he does it again, he's gone. Yep. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he's um, he, he always has that extra little bit of um, X factor in him. So, look, he's still got it in the back pocket, but I think we'll just save it. We'll save that one for a little bit later on until the right moment comes. That's exciting. And I mean, we don't want to get too detailed, but I'm pretty excited to see what color budgie smugglers he might be sporting this season. So there's a lot to look forward to in Super Rugby Pacific for 2022. Yeah, definitely. How good. Well, um, looking back at 2021, it was a pretty challenging year for a whole bunch of reasons, but the Rebels, sorry to say, mate, it wasn't the best season for the Rebels, um, but also particularly for yourself, you had a pretty significant injury right as the season kicked off. Um, so can I just ask, it might be a bit of a personal question, feel free to kind of respond how you like, but how did your mindset shift going from, okay, I'm geared up, I'm amped, I'm ready for the beginning of the Super Rugby season and playing oh no, now I'm into rehab. How did you manage that mm. shift? Because I'm sure it must have been really tough. Yeah, I mean, that was, that, that, as you said, like it was a pretty significant, I mean, I tore my hamstring, um, grade three, you know, had to go see surgeons and try to convince them that I didn't need surgery. And they looked at me and they said, well, yeah, props don't need hamstrings really. So <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll be fine. Um, and and it, it was, yeah, it was quite difficult because it was right at that pointy end when, You've done all the hard work. I mean, I came back early during COVID the, the year before that um, just to make sure I got in the extra training and, and try to put my, my best foot forward. Um, and it sort of, yeah, it, it hit me quite hard. But you know, I, I was very lucky. You know, firstly, I had such a great support system um, around with the coaches and players and everyone, you know, you know, just as distraught as I was that, you know, I, I'd had this injury. But um, I guess my first thought once I'd um, sorted it, uh, sorted it and, and understood that, you know, this injury was going to keep me out a bit. I, um, I, I shifted that mindset to do everything I can to get back in. Um, I was at that point that I was like, I'm not wasting all this training I did um, to, to not use it. So I was lucky. I mean, it was a 12 week sort of time frame which they gave me and I got back in just about 10, just over 10, um, which they, they're really, really happy about. And, and it was, yeah, definitely changed that mindset to a few sacrifices off the field. So making sure, you know, eating well, um, going out with the boys when, when they, you know, had their time, I, I had to hold back from that and just making sure I prioritise my body. And it, it probably helped with my professionalism as an athlete and dealing with that. But it, yeah, I guess it ultimately comes down to the people around me who, who gave me some really sound advice and, and support. Um, so it definitely got me through that and then back in for the, for the other half or the later half of the season. So it seems like that support and that input from really close people kind of got you through that. And one of the things that I kind of noticed was um, there was this growth of elite performance journals. It seemed to coincide with that time off. Is that correct? I, I would, yeah. Time, time off is the wrong word, but that rehab period. Yeah, definitely. I mean, because you're not playing on the field, you, you do have a lot more time. I mean, your rehab is a big focus, um, but sort of sticking and building habits was, was a thing which I sort of got. Uh, mentored on by a few people, especially our um, head of performance, Will Mowick. He's fantastic in, in trying to trying to build good behaviours and, and habits. So sort of started developing that idea there. Nothing solid, but then started chatting with a close friend, Carla Tizano, who's the seven at um, yep. Waratahs, or hopefully the seven at Waratahs. <laughs> hopefully, we'll, we'll see, see how that one goes. Hoops probably has something to say about that, which is fair <laughs> enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a great young player and, and we sort of bonded at our time at the Western Force together over 
you know, doing a lot of the hard yards. Um, and, and there's, there's stories like we would train all day and then we'd go to the gym at night together. We'd sauna, we'd be there for another three hours, um, just getting some little extras in. And we'd always sort of go at each other if the other one said, oh, I'm tired or something like that. And we, we ran off each other and we definitely, we, we grew a lot as, as people and, and as professional athletes uh, during that time frame, And then we just got talking and, and the idea sort of went there that, you know, people, people can do this, other people, whether it's, you know, it's not just rugby specific, it's, it's all um, sports or walks of life where people can prepare by, you know, journaling, um, reviewing, and they're just refining their sort of behaviours and, and building good habits. Um, mm. And that's sort of where, where we're at now. And we're still in a bit of a development phase with it, but it's, it's exciting. And it's really taught me about a whole new other aspect out of rugby about starting a small business and, and trying to, you know, sales pitches and, and managing finances and, and things like that. So it's it's been a really exciting period. And that's one of the things that is just so incredibly important within kind of professional sport is having, it seems to be that players that have something else, have another outlet, seem to be more well-rounded and better able to adapt, particularly when their career finishes up down the track. Um, they have something to move on to and that can be so important, particularly when, I mean, professional rugby players are one injury away from the what's next. Yeah. I mean, there was an important stat I got a couple of years ago and it's like the most professional, like most professional players, their careers last one to two years. So to, to go on, I mean, I, I'm lucky. I mean, I've, I've been you know, probably in the middle range of amount of time, but it is, I mean, it's such a, it's such a precious career because it can be gone in an instant and having that preparation and that transition ready, uh, is, a, is a massive part of it. Um, and I, I learned that a lot with my brother who I played with at the Western Force and then it sort of just finished for him and uh, abruptly, I mean, he'd prepared with, he had two degrees to his name. He'd had all these qualifications and still it took him quite a while to adjust to life outside of sport. So that transition and, and being prepared, I mean, of course, commit yourself 100% to the time you're playing and, yep. and everything you're doing, but also, you know, ha- have that in the back of your mind that, there is a bit of a plan for afterwards and use, use rugby as a springboard because it's such a beautiful sport and it's loved by a lot. So, you know, why, why not make, you know, the best of both worlds with it? So do you think that's why Billy Meeks seems to be taking up a bit of a modeling career right now? I mean, he's check out his Instagram. Yeah. He's next level. <laughs> yeah. He is mate. He's, he's fantastic. And he's the kind of bloke that really embraces training hard and, and sort of just illustrating to other people, showing his, so his daily habits, I mean, I think he's up to yep. day four or 500 of, of meditating each morning and little things like that. And people see that and they go, okay, so that's what goes in, into it. And he's got a few strings to his bow outside. And it's it's good to see that, you know, players have their own characters and their own mm-hmm. um, profiles outside of sport. And whether, whether or two they align, it's probably, if they don't and they contrast, it's probably even more interesting to see. And and it's really nice to see him. And there's a couple of guys here, I'll refer back to Caboose Eloff, um, he uh, he actually looks after a lot of the team. He makes his own biltong. Oh, of the course team. he does. And yeah, of course and he it, does. It is fantastic. Like he has the coaches buying it, some of the commercial staff, the players love it. So just little little things like that, which you know, it, it's so exciting to see players have have that. You know, so many um, strings to their bow and and a lot to their profile. It's um, exciting. Well, that's a pretty smart uh, thing with the South African coaching staff as well, having obviously Dave before he left and now you got Kevin Foote as well. Um, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> just a sure market right there. 
He's done well. He's a smart boy. You give it to him. <laughs> he very much is. Um, so tracking back with a little bit more on 2021, obviously when you came back from injury, you were able to get in for a couple of the final rounds of kind of super AU before you um, played in all five of the Trans-Tasman games, I'm fairly certain. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And then we also, you also had a call up into the Wallaby squad as well. So injury replacement for Scotty Co. Was that how kind of edifying or encouraging was that after having such a lengthy time off that you actually still got called up into the broader Wallaby squad um, despite all the trouble that you'd had last year? Yeah. I mean, I, I look back at it now and, and I question myself, um, did I, you know, did I do enough in the time when I was there and what would have happened if I'd played those first seven games? But um, you know, it was meant to be, it, it's definitely added more value to my life having to deal with those sort of struggles and, and that rehabilitation and, and learning how to be more of a professional. So I, I, I think, you know, it, it was such a special honour to get the call. I still remember I was actually, I was having a bath and then I saw it just got a text like, hi, mate, it's Chris Webb from the Wallabies. And I thought, oh, here we go. This is, and I'm, my heart start, you know, started beating things. like that. It's, you know, pumping out my chest and it was just such like a, it was a surreal moment knowing that, you know, a lot of hard work had gone into that. And even on a year where, I probably hadn't got the best out of myself physically um, and not necessarily all on my fault, but I take a lot of responsibility for, you know, my actions, my recovery and, and looking after myself. So, you know, I, I took that, you know, it was, it was a proud achievement um, and, and it was good to be recognised in that, in that respect, but it also left me with a feeling sort of after the camp that, you know, that this is a, this is a new echelon, this is a new step up and I've got a, I have to step up as a professional human being and, and make sure that, you know, I put myself in the best position not to be called in as a as a replacement, but to be called in as a guy that they you know they can rely on as as one of the first guys they look to. So I know I've got a lot of work to do around my game and, and different facets where I can improve. So I mean it, it's it's very nice to be recognised, but then it's also um, part of me and probably one of the, the the great things is I'm a little bit unsettled about it because I want to yep. you know I've I've got this motivation to you know, to be a part of it and really put my foot forward and, and make a difference when I actually get there. You kind of had that little taste of it and now you want the full meal, the full dish. And 100%, uh, yeah, I couldn't <laughs> agree more. <laughs> so then looking looking ahead then, you've surely got that goal of being called up into the Wallaby squad for mid-season or mid-year internationals against England when they come in. What are your general goals then for Super Rugby Pacific and 2022 in general? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, I've got a few things, you know, written down, which are my my key aspects. And one of the main things for, for being a part of the Rebels is, is success. Um, I don't think we've experienced it in, in the degree that we want to. I mean, we won some big games and we put on some really good performances, but having that sustained success and, and building a, you know, building a culture of winning um, is the key one for me. And my role in that is, you know, is being a dominant, you know, forward and um, being a dominant prop in the game and someone who just doesn't, you know, set, you know, doesn't rely just on set piece, but is aggressive by nature there, but also around the field can can add add some value. And I, you know, I look at other guys around me who do that. Other, you know, I I think Pone um, Famosuli's got a massive point of difference. Yep. And his ball carries, contact skills. Trev Jose is same. Matty Phillip is fantastic post contact. Me, so we've got the makings of some fantastic players and putting it all together is, you know, I just want to do my role to support them and, and make them the best they can be. And I know by what they do, they'll do the same for me. So having that there definitely is as a, as a success element is huge. And, and we, you know, we target, especially, you know, 
any of the Australian games are massive for us because yep. we we want to be known. You know, we want to be known as a successful team, and we don't we don't go down fighting, um, and we, we we don't look for others for inspiration. We know that hard work is going to be the key. So we definitely have that in the back of our minds. And on a personal level, um, you know, I've, I I want to make the step up to international rugby. Um, it, that'll come by performing for the yep. for the Rebels um, and and solidifying my spot in the team here. Uh, because we've got some fantastic people around who who really challenge me and, and challenge the other guys. And and that's the best thing is having that competitive element at training and and knowing that, you know, I've got to be on my best performance to make sure I even get the team and then I can get to the next level. So um, that's definitely there. And, you know, playing, you know, internationally would be huge. Um, but just, you know, I, I want to make that squad and then and be able to show that I can make a difference there and, whether it comes in the next, you know, six months or so, that, that'd be fantastic. But, you know, I'm always going to try keep improving so I, I do get to that point and I can then, you know, hopefully one day wear the, wear the gold. That'd be incredible, mate. Well, you'll have us cheering on, cheering you on, and it'll be incredibly exciting if that day does come. Uh, looking back then to the full 2021 season, it was 13 games for the three wins in a Super AU competition uh, and Trans-Tasman combined. It was, look a year that was pretty heavily impacted by both injury and COVID uh, requirements. You guys had so much travel, so few. Did you have any games at home? I'm just having a mental blank. Uh, uh, we had season. two games, I think. We had two. the Brumby. Actually, sorry, three. Um, okay. We had three. We had the Waratahs, Reds and and Brumbies. And I think we only just beat the Waratahs at home. So, yep. yeah, quite, quite, a, quite a tough one to, to swallow that. Yeah. Yeah. Look, it was a tough season. And despite the the reality of that ledger, you've got a new coach. Dave Vessels left for Trans-Tasman. Difficult circumstances, from what I understand, a really well-loved member of the Rebels setup. And now the assistant, Kevin Foote, has stepped up and he's had a full pre-season now. The Trans-Tasman is a really difficult time because he'd only just stepped into the role. And he's now had the full pre-season as head coach. How has he managed to refocus the squad and try and rebuild that confidence in the team heading into Super Rugby Pacific? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like footy, he has got an amazing rapport with with all the players in the squad. Um, I guess you interview anyone in the Rebels and you'll get the same answer that, you know, he he's a fantastic bloke who really embraces what he wants to see out of us. Um, he, he lives that himself. Um, and he, he coaches to make sure he changes, it, changes our lives and makes it special, which is, you know, incredible thing to think about that someone really cares about your well-being and, and support. And I guess the other element of it is that, you know, he's extremely, uh, not, I want to say abrasive, but he's, he's quite aggressive in, in how he teaches and, and how he educates around what he wants to see on the field, especially in defence. And people love to see that, um, that interest and that commitment to what he's actually saying. Um, so when he lives and breathes it, it's, it's fantastic. So, uh, you know, we, we built some really good systems under Dave Wessels and, and we, you know, we really appreciate, you know, what he did for the team. And, you know, he's brought through a ton of Melbourne based boys who, you know, have gone on to play Wallabies. There's guys, mm-hmm. you know, in and around the fringes and, re- and just about there. Um, there's guys coming through who, who will be there. Um, so we, we've got the systems there. We've built a really good base. And now I guess what footy's really um, tried to bring in is a lot of belief. Um, as I mentioned before, we've got some fantastic players across the board. Uh, some of the young backs who are coming through, are, are, you know, I definite wallabies, you know, I'd put my house on it. Yeah. Um, so we've got the amazing talent and it's now it's just bringing that belief 
Um, and and not, not setting the expectations unbelievably high for them straight away. It's, it's really giving them small tasks and, and just letting them focus on their role and making sure everyone does their own role so that they, you know, come together and, and, we, and we put on some performances that we're proud of. Um, and, and we've definitely brought that in. You know, we've, we've got some great staff who've joined this year. Um, you know, a new S&C in Luke Bella, who's been fantastic in, in really developing the boys off the field. And we're led well um, and in our attack shape now by Ryan Martin, who was, you know, previously at Otago. He was over with the Free Jacks. And, you know, his, his passion for what he, he preaches too is fantastic. So, uh, you know, when you have guys like that, Jeff Parling, who the same yep. with the forwards, yeah. So when you know he's turning up to training, you're working hard. And that as a forward is, is something we really embrace now and we're, we're trying to live by every day. So we've got all these, you know, staff who live by it. And then we've got some really great leaders throughout the team and, and Michael Wells, Matt Tamua, Reese Hodge, you know, who, who live, and, live and breathe everything, you know, they, they preach to and then they show through their actions. So, you know, more and more we're finding, you know, some of the young guys are picking those habits up and, and really stepping up to the mark. So I'm really excited to see, you know, how the how they go. Everything's been going pretty well. I mean, COVID has disturbed, you know, a, a little bit of this, you know, preseason, but that, mm-hmm. that's every team who struggles with that. Yep. Um, but we've, I think we've managed it fantastically and, and guys have really stepped up to the mark and, and made the commitment away from here. Even if, if people haven't been able to come into training, they're still training, you know, training their ass off and, and working hard to, yep. to when they do come back, they're not letting anyone down. They, they know their role in the team. So it's exciting. That sounds really exciting. And I mean, look, there's so much hope moving forward just in Australian rugby in general. I think there's a lot of excitement around Super Rugby Pacific as a competition structure itself. Uh, but also when just as an outsider and uh, just complete transparency, I'm a Tars fan. So apologies <laughs> for that one. But at least he didn't have the Tars season last year. So that's that's something to be said. Um, yeah. <laughs> that, I mean, I feel for them. I don't want anyone to have a season like that, especially no. in an Australian team, because you know, we're all about boosting the game. Um, but you know they're, they're they're turning things around and and they've got you know a good guy in DC at the helm so yep. it'll be interesting to see. It'll be very interesting to see. But sticking with you guys, I think that you just have such quality in some key positions across the park, like you mentioned. I think the return of Matt Phillip will be really important for the kind of the younger and developing locks as well. Just that experience and overseas understanding that he's bringing back into it will be really significant, as well as someone like James Hansen for the front row. Um, and then, like you said, Matty Tamua and Reese Hodge will be key. One of the key players that you guys have lost, though, is Marika Corambete and he like nobody can replace Marika he is who he is and he's one of the most destructive backline players in world rugby but definitely within Australian rugby um now I know I'm asking to prop this question so that's always good fun who do you think is really going to be stepping up out of the back three in Marika's absence because we want to we want to see someone step into that void and do make it their own position who's that player do you reckon for 2022 well, I think, you know, Marika is no, and no one could replace him. Yeah. That, that's the important thing to make mention of. You know, he, he's a fantastic player who reads the game like, like no one I've ever played with. So he, he was really special. But I, I think someone who understands the game so fair, like 
so clearly and 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 can anticipate things like at such a quick rate um is andrew Callaway. i mean he's he's had a massive um season with the wallabies and he's been fantastic and i think he could he could fill that 15 slot if we needed him on the wing he would do that too um he can play a you know a plethora of positions on the field he um so i reckon he's really one who we're gonna rely on and, and then you've got hodgie too who who's fantastic back there and having guys of that caliber sort of leading some of the younger guys like Lenny Vai, who, um, who's, you know, 20, 21 years old, a um, couple other guys, you know, who can slip in Carter Gordon, having that quality around you is only going to bring them up. So I'm definitely looking out for Kells to have another massive year. Hodgie, we know what to expect. He's, mm-hmm. He turns up every week and gives a hundred percent. I'm just trying to think, I mean, th- there's one other guy um, who, who, who got quite a bit of game time this year is Lockie Anderson. Yep. Um, who's probably one of the best defenders, outside back defenders I've ever seen, um, who's just, I think he's time in sevens. He's, he just commits to everything at 100%. So I, I would be looking out for him too because he, he's quite quite an exciting player. And if you see him shoot out of the line, you know it's for a good reason. So, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. going to free Turn and somebody. Watch. Yep. Exactly. Turn and watch. <laughs> well, uh, talking about some of the changes then in the back line, there's actually been a fair bit of continuity within the forward pack. And that's really exciting to see because like you mentioned earlier, there's a fair bit of competition for front row and back row positions. Um, locks, I think from an outsider's perspective, will probably be a little bit more settled, although the locks would obviously contest that. Um, but who should we be really excited for out of the front row? And the back row, who do you think is going to step up and just have a stellar season outside of yourself, of course? Oh, that'd be nice. Um, <laughs> it would be. Yeah. Really. I mean, there's a few guys who really stood out and especially the past year, Caboose Eloff has been massive yeah. and yeah. pardon me, just his growth as, as a player and a, as a professional has been huge. He's dropped a ton of weight, put a, put a lot of muscle on and really focusing on, on dominating that space, which he, which he knows he can. Um, and being a really consistent scrummager and, and fo- following that up with what he does around the field. Um, he'll definitely be in contention for, for higher honours later. Yep. Um, I, I, and that, that's going to be a good competition because he's got Pone there as well, who's a fantastic tight head. They're getting pushed even harder by a guy called um, Reese Van Neck, who, again, has, has put a lot of hard yards in. And, you know, he, he, he will definitely be pushing these guys and, and he'll be playing some games too. So that's a pretty hot one. Um, and I, I reckon with the second rollers, there actually is, you know, a fair bit of competition because we've got Ross Hallett Petty, who's, yeah, of course. yeah, he's got 50, 60 caps easy. Um, you got Phillips, who's got another, yeah, 70 caps there. And now you got Trevor Hosea, who's the next big thing. So you got three guys who, who can all call the line out. They dominate their own parts of the game. So, that's an exciting space and to have that depth, um, you know, re- really gives us good competition and, 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 you know, we get the best out of people. Um, and I probably back row wise, that's our probably the most exciting one that I think who's going to come through this year is a guy called Tamati Iwani. Um, he's been, he's been fantastic and he's such a, he's such a raw player at the moment, but I really think he's going to dominate that space. I mean, he's an excellent ball carrier. Um, I I probably get the old sore shoulder when he's running down my channel, so I just need to get off the field. Um, but no, he he is fantastic, and and he's got a lot to work on. But the the raw makings there of you know, I'd probably liken him to a, you know a Wycliffe Palu, um, you know, very similar. Works hard around the field, carries well, tackles well. So he's probably one I you know, he he may get a few games within the year, and if he does, you know, I I can't wait to watch him go well. 
That'll be exciting. I mean, uh, Brad Wilkins really looking for a bit of a breakout season after being hampered by injury quite significantly over the last couple of years. And um, Dickie Hardwick just continues to look red and angry every single game that he plays. Uh, so you just know he's going to just eat some people throughout the course of the season. Oh, of course. And they're, they're, you've just named two blokes who, you know, couldn't be more professional. Um, they, they turn up, always give 100% and they're, and they're fantastic. Dickie's one, one of the best guys over the ball and, and Brad's just the workhorse. So yeah. having those guys there, you know, fighting for that position, again, it's, it's just breeding such good competition. So it's awesome to have those blokes and, you know, they'll definitely be doing their, doing their trade this year. I'm not sure if you saw the uh, photo of Mark Nolonganitawase that's been doing the rounds a little bit with his impeccable rig. Um, h- have you seen that one? Just checking. I, I may have seen that because mm-hmm. I think there was a bit of like a black and white colour over it and it looked Ooh, like yeah. Mr. Mr. December of men's health. So Yep. Now, look, I just need to bring it back down into kind of Rebels territory. Do you get equally depressed looking at the exquisite rig of Josh Kemeny? You just don't get expectations like that. That's the thing. You look in and it's like, yeah, he's just he's got metabolism or something like that. You know, it's it's just not going to happen for me. And that's all right. You know, that's the one thing is that uh, six packs don't win scrums. I got plenty of guys. Full keg. It's got to be the keg. Yep. Exactly right. There's many many props who will attest to that. That uh, make sure you know you've got the weight. You don't give it away, and you know that's fair enough. I'll take that. (laughs) At least that's what props all around the world keep telling each other, isn't it? (laughs) Exactly. How good. Well, uh, what we might do, mate, is um, get some final thoughts of kind of the the aims for the Super Rugby Pacific before we go into a couple of quick fire fan questions and then we'll wrap things up. But where are, ha- has there been any talk within Rebels about where you're aiming to be finishing for the season? We would assume outwardly that you're looking for top eight for finals. Um, has, has it been outwardly stated amongst the players? I, I guess specifically, I mean, we keep a lot of that stuff, you know, within the group and trying to, um, you know, you make it a purely team-based um, thing. But, I mean, a success is, is the biggest thing for us. And we want to we make sure, you know, in an Australian aspect, you know, we're dominating that space. And, you know, I can speak from a forwards perspective. That, that's a, something we're going to take on with real respect is that uh, – uh, you know, we we dominate and we make sure we we turn up to games where set pieces is, is a focus and and we take that area on head first. Um, and, and in terms when we don't look at, I mean, every team can say, oh, we want to be first on first on the ladder and things like that. But you know, we think the brand of rugby that we're trying to play and what we've been working hard at will lead us to success. So if we you know commit to it and we perform and, and one to 15 and 16 to 23 turn up and everyone outside the squad you know puts their part in I, I have 100% belief that you know we will be successful and you know we, we can be playing finals rugby and that would be the aim I mean it's so mm-hmm. like we mentioned earlier it's just it's exciting to see what this team could be doing I do worry sometimes about maybe the depth in a couple of positions um, or say the exciting talent of Carter Gordon but just how he's going to be able to step up across the entirety of a season at the level of Super Rugby Pacific um, but I guess that's something that we'll see unfold throughout the course of the season and at least he's got the experience on the inside of Joe Powell and the outside of Matty Tamua guiding him through those high pressure moments yeah, definitely. I mean, things like we, especially like Carter, you believe it at training, he's actually the one calling the shots. Um, he's, a, he's a super confident player who is just finding his feet 
um, and, and he's got a massive career ahead of him. So he'll be fantastic. Um, and he's definitely got to improve in some aspects of his game, and he knows that. But um, the making there of a, of a really class player. So, you know, we've got a complete faith in him. If he's at 10, that he's the guy who'll lead us to, you know, a, a lot of victories and, and to a successful campaign. Well, what we might do now is shift across to sort of a couple of the fan questions that came in. And it seems that if you play for the force, even just for one game or for more, you are always a force player and you are well loved by the sea of blue. So we've had a couple of questions come in from over the desert. And the first one comes from Craig at Balumba on Twitter. How good did it feel to win the NRC and be warm after two years in Blighty? Which for those who don't know, I'm assuming it's referring to playing for Gloucester in England. Yes, over over in the uh, the southwest. Um, look, yeah, it was fantastic. My time in Perth was awesome. It was a beautiful place. There were some hard days training there, as you said. It was bloody hot, um, but it was an awesome crew. We made a lot of lifelong mates there, and we enjoyed some quality rugby. So you know, I really really did enjoy my time there. It was fantastic, and good to see them back in Super Rugby. Now, this one is something that might need a little bit of decoding by you because when I first read it, I had no idea what it meant, but you may know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is from Kirsty at Scarab Cat. Did Camiola ever find out where Anthony Boucher 8 takes stray Aussie rugby fans for the ultimate Glaws Donner kebab after a night at King's Home? Cherries, laughing. Place. Well, <laughs> I think that's, yeah, definitely definitely to do in uh, Gloucester Town Centre. Mm-hmm. There's a few good kebab stores and Anthony was one of the, one of the I'll call him a super fan of Gloucester and he was fantastic always after the game and anyone who would turn up, he would, he would chew your ear off about rugby and just life and fantastic. We, you know, a really special person and, and supporter. And I think Kirsty went over and we had the connection at the force and he showed them around and I imagine took him to the best uh, kebab <laughs> store in all of Gloucester. Um, all of Gloucester, such a big, place. all of Gloucester. And there, there's a few, there's a few goodies. Um, I don't think the uh, dietitian at the time would have approved. But, you know, you've got to get your sustenance somehow. So we'll just say no, it was a cheat day, a, mate. It was a cheat day. Yeah, it was. Okay. It was a cheat day. Yeah, definitely. Sometime definitely. there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Final question. Rugby and stuff at I Bloody Love Rugby. Would you rather a longer super rugby season with more overseas teams, such as a Japanese or a Hong Kong team to start with? Or would you like another version of the NRC? So he's basically speaking there too. Um, or they are basically speaking to the challenge that Australian rugby players don't get very many professional rugby games compared to say an English premiership player. Would Mm. you prefer an extended super rugby season or that tier just below super rugby that if a player is not playing for the Wallabies, they can step into that still professional environment that is giving them that higher level of experience? I would love both. Um, Mm. I mean, uh, if you could look at it the way that, you know, if then, you know, Wallaby guys, did go away at, uh, in the in the longer season. Then you could then bring guys up from that tier below in whether Shoot Shield or Brisbane Premier Grade or um, you know um, down here in uh, Melbourne as well. You've got you know a, a great competition over in WA too. So you've got guys who then can make the 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 sort of the step up. I would love to have that that tier of um, NRC there as well because it's. Um, although, you know, it was fantastic for some guys and it's really given them an opportunity to, to get up to the next level. I think they're, I guess, the financial side of it in supporting it and, and making it professional was, was probably the, the biggest hurdle to get over because you had guys that were still working and, and couldn't commit to the times they wanted to. 
Um, and, and there's people there with a the belief that, you know, that, that, that the, the pathway was there. And, and it, you know, I think it was a fantastic idea because it did. It showed there was a pathway from club rugby, from, you know, playing in school all the way up to the Wallabies. And, and it's exciting. So to, we definitely do need to have something uh, in between that would, that would support that. Um, I just think they've got to get that sort of financial side of it yeah. and, and backing of, of the super rugby clubs as well to support it. Um, and then also the, you know, the, the club rugby clubs then supporting too um, and in between it and really developing that connection because I, I do believe there needs to be something in between, you know, club rugby and super rugby. If we, if we want, you know, even super rugby to be successful, if we want internationally we, us to be successful. And I think yeah. a big part of that will be kind of the, this has been a discussion that's gone around within the rugby groups that we're a part of, that um, it needs to be seen as an investment by the broadcaster, particularly for Stan and any other interested parties, that the competition itself may not make, may not be um, cost neutral or even positive or cost neutral. It may well end up costing money, but what you're going to get is a better more competitive super rugby product and Wallabies product at the end of the day. And you'll get a, better quality rugby competition throughout the country. And so the longer term investment is worth the short term uh, losses that they're going to be taking. But it's so important to provide players with that ongoing development. Because you look at the Curry Cup in South Africa, you look at the NPC in New Zealand, you just have a greater depth of players that can then have that easier step up into super rugby. Yeah, and we're finding guys are actually leaving Australia to go and play in those competitions. So imagine, imagine they're here and we can harness that and sort of, you know, you know, I still think those players want to play for Australia and they have that, but you want to be able to stay here and, and do it and work in your own backyard and, and be able to, to grow through a system that's, you know, nurtured, nurtured by the coaches you've, you've known for years. So, I mean, I, I think of, you know, I think it's that um, the back rower from the Queensland Reds went over and played. Angus Scott uh, Young. Yep. Angus Scott Young, he went and yep. played there. And I spoke, you know, Matt, Matt you, what people don't remember, Matt Tamil went over to South Africa when he was quite young. He played in the Curry Cup. Steve Cummins, who was at the Rebels before. So there's plenty of guys who, who've done it and, and use that as a bit of a springboard and an experience to to find and, and finally tune their game and grow. So it's definitely um, supported people in the past and having that little tear there, I, I, I think it'll definitely be a benefit to the, you know, international teams and, and super rugby teams. Well, let's watch this space and see how that develops. Hopefully some of the financial issues start to work themselves out over the next couple of years. But uh, Cam, you've been so incredibly generous with, <laughs> let's try that one again <laughs> you've been so incredibly generous with your time and with your comments mate um if people wanted to follow you or find out more about elite performance journals how would they do it uh definitely get get on the instagram or twitter or facebook one of those platforms but yeah at, at ep journals and you know get in touch see what we're posting about it and what we do but it's you know it's an exciting area and it's hopefully going to grow to, to really, um, you know, grow some teams and people and, and help pass on, you know, a bit of the knowledge and experience, you know, some, you know, people that I know and what have I experienced and, and really what, what it takes to be an athlete and know that people can do it too. Well, mate, you've been more than generous. You're a scholar, you're a gentleman, you're a fine rugby player. Can't wait to see you take the field this season. Thanks again for your I, time. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Cheers, mate. All right, it's that time of the podcast where we preview the Rebel season for 2022. But before we get into 2022, let's look at 2021 and see where they finished on the respective tables. So first up 
In Super Rugby AU, the Rebels finished fourth. They weren't able to make the playoffs for the second year in Super Rugby AU. They did finish just outside of that in fourth. They played eight games, they won three, and they lost five. Now, if we move across into Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, they finished ninth overall. They played five games, and as was the case for most Australian Super Rugby teams in Trans-Tasman, they lost five games and won zero. So I'll throw to you first, Rev. What were your overall thoughts for the Rebels in 2021? I think to sum it up, their season was close, but not close enough because they, as you said, um, in the Super Rugby AU, they only won three with five losses. But of those five losses, four of them were bonus point losses. They were right in the contest for so many of the games. And even um, chatting to Dave Vessels um, and looking through the season, you see just so many missed kicks or the other team getting a late penalty or just something small deciding the factors at the end of the game. Just Ryan Lonigan. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Ryan Lonigan. <laughs> Asserting himself as uh, the alpha male of Super Rugby AU, um, it, it just really hurt the season. I think you could nearly put their season down to more of a confidence mentality sort of thing rather than the actual uh, personnel because they played quite well um, and did the best they could with the players available. A lot of people out with injuries, etc., throughout the year. Um, so for me, it's just a shame that the numbers reflect so poorly on them because they didn't do, I think, as badly as a lot of people might remember. So if you are listening to this as a Rebels fan, uh, heads up, um, you know, it wasn't your year, but it was a lot better than it probably looked on paper. Yeah, I think that that holds really true for Super Rugby AU. My concern is the nature of some of the losses when they got into the Trans-Tasman competition. I mean, a 3-50 to defeat at home against the Blues, one of the first home games that you've had in a long time, that that uh, there are many superlatives that you could be using to describe that na- the nature of that defeat. And so that was really disappointing. But then 35 to 13 against the Hurricanes, 42, 27, 26, 52 against the Crusaders. Like these are all heavy defeats that they're having. They're not like some of the forces matches against the Kiwis where they're a lot tighter. Um, these were games where they were, they showed some promising attacking intent for some of them and then just got blown away defensively by the Kiwi opposition. So yes, I hear what you're saying within the AU comp, but when they hit the Trans-Hasman, they they were a league below the Kiwi teams. Now, one factor to take into account for 2021 was that Dave Vessels, their head coach, did resign at the end of Super Rugby AU, two weeks out from the start of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. So do we think that that was a... It has to have some effect, but do you think that could be chalked up to some of those losses that you were just talking about, Ando? Uh, I think it potentially could. I mean, I might let um, Rev speak to the Dave Vessels part more in a moment because he's the one that interviewed him. I just think that, you know what, I'm just going to throw this one directly to Rev. (laughs) I just bailed on that. I had had ideas, but yeah, I just didn't want to say anything that Rev's like, no, no. The big issue, I think, was the bulk of their players that they've been building over the course of the time. Vessels was very adamant in saying that the COVID window just hit them at the worst possible time. It was their bye week when they'd normally be uh, signing players up and getting those contract extensions, and they just lost out on so many players. I think when you couple that with some injuries to key players, so they did a lot of 2021. I mean, all of it without Dane Haylett Petty, who was their captain and I think their best player. you then had injuries to Reese Hodge. Matt Tamil wasn't in great form. You had a lot of young players stepping in. Uh, the front row was going through injuries with Cam Orr and Reese Van Neck going out quite early. They just never really had a settled side. 
and then have an experienced side when it was settled either. Um, I think they had six players on debut in the first week and they didn't have experience options inside them. So I actually think they did quite a bit better than they were given credit. And what I'd say, the difference for the AU and um, the Trans-Tasman, when Kevin Foote came in to be the head coach, the first game against the Blues, they really struggled. And what I'd say about the other games is they didn't look very solid as a team defensively, but their attack improved a lot. Mm. They'd been kicking a lot of penalty goals throughout Super Rugby AU and staying in the fight just with that sort of the niggle and um, that assertion of breakdown and trying to really get in the other team's heads. Um, when it came to the uh, Trans-Tasman comp, they scored some really nice like the field tries and some really attacking, um, attackingly brilliant plays against Crusaders. Like 52-26, the scoreline is dreadful, but the game itself was a really nice watch. So I, I think they can take some things out of it, um, but definitely the change in coaching did affect some of how they approached it. And having a full preseason with the foot will help. Yeah, for sure. Now let's move across into their ins and outs for 2022, and we'll start with the players that they have lost. So the players that have left the Rebels for 2022, Lucio Sordoni, Ignacio Callas, Steve Cummins, Lewis Holland, Frank Lamani, Tom Pincus, Dane Halepetti, Izzy Nicerani, and Marika Corabetti. Now, Ando, there is one or two names there that really jump off the paper. And do you think, which player is going to be the biggest loss for the Rebels this year? And do they have a player that can step up and fill that hole? Uh, Marika Corambete is very obviously the biggest loss in Australian rugby entirely. Uh, And no, no, they don't have a player that can step up and cover that loss because no one else in Australian rugby can play like Marika can. So I think very simply, no, they don't have anybody that can replace him. But I don't think any team has a player that could like for like replace Marika Corambete. Might be able to have a quality substitute to um, play a different style within that position, but you're not going to be able to replicate it, no. Rev, who's your biggest out for the Rebels for 2022? Uh, for me, it's it's gone ready as well. I mean, I, I'll... I guess if I had to pick a second, it's Nasrani, just because I think he offers a lot of punch. Yep. And despite the forward pack being quite good, especially the back rows, have got a lot of depth. He is quite different to the options that they've got. Um, yeah, Corey, but he's just an absolute freak. Uh, there's no one harder working in the team. I think they've got some options they're going to try and use to replace. Um, and, and we can touch on them soon, but no one... like period works as hard as Crombetti in international wingers. So mm-hmm. that's easily the biggest loss. Okay. Well, looking at the players that are coming into the team for this next season, we've got Tamati Yuani, Joe Pincus, Moses Sorovi, Effie Marfu, and Matt Phillip. Now, Matt Phillip has been around the Rebels for a while, and we know from your interview with Vessels Rev that he didn't really want to leave the Rebels when he did, but just with the contract freeze and things and the COVID situation, he had to go. It is great to see him back. Do you think he's going to be a massive improvement in the Rebels forward pack this year? I think so, for sure. I think he brings, firstly, um, international experience, both at test level but having played club rugby overseas. Um, And he's also a solid um, or a constant. I think over the years, the Rebels have used a few players in that sort of Steve Cummins, Sam Jeffries mould who are very solid um, without being exceptional. And They just do the hard work. They haven't had someone that can really lead by example with the lineout. Um, I think Matt Phillip brings that. So he's going to be a massive inclusion for them. And I think to be honest, he's probably the biggest inclusion. He's the only one I see coming into the squad and immediately starting 
um, week in, week out. He's a, a must-have in their best 15. Yeah, good call, good call. And Ando, uh, Moses Sorovi comes into the team from the Queensland Reds. Where do you see him slotting into this back line? Um, he'll just be coming in off the bench at number 21, so the replacement scrum half. So, so we've got the halfbacks that the Rebels have is Joe Powell, Moses Sorovi, and James Tuttle. Now, yep. Tuttle was serviceable in 2021. Do you think that Moses Sorovi has a different skill set that allows him to get picked above Tuttle, considering that James has been there for a few years now? Yeah, I think he's a more damaging runner of the ball. Um, I think Tuttle has, he's a bit more of kind of your dependable, reliable um, scrum half that does the kind of basic requirements of the role well, uh, but he doesn't have a point of difference that kind of uh, sets him apart from other players around him. In in my opinion, I might be totally wrong, uh, but I think Moses Sarovi, from what we've seen of him at the Reds, um, is somebody that can just provide a little bit more spark off the bench, and so I think he'll be taking that bench spot off James Tuttle. And Rev, who do you think is going to be one of the players coming into this side that's going to have the biggest impact outside of uh, Matt Phillip, like we said before? Outside of Phillip, and, and someone that wasn't on that um, that initial list of players coming in, uh, Ray Nu one of the centers who's coming across from uh, the NPC, New Zealand. So he he played for Otago and he didn't get a whole lot of starting minutes, but he's capable of covering 12 and 13. And I think in a season where we might not have a nailed on 13 just yet, we might not have Tamur in his best form and he's still suffering neck and concussion issues. I could definitely see someone coming in just to, you know, take over that role and just be that sort of safety cushion. Everyone needs to have that depth in those positions. And I see Renu is definitely one of the potential options um, for that side. Um, and for anyone else that, I guess, wants to check it out on Instagram, the one that the Rebels are promoting a fair bit is uh, Tamati Iwani, the mm-hmm. massive number eight. If he gets any minutes, um, fantasy managers are going to be delighted because he looks huge and we'll just love trucking the ball up. Great. Look out for him. He can, he'll be in my fantasy team for sure. Uh, <laughs> who's the... Who, and we'll start with you for this one. Key players or positions. Who's a key player for the Rebels in 2022 that's going to be a game winner? I think, um, strangely enough, as a game winner, considering his form in 2021, will be Matty Tamur. And I think that's because he has the potential to unlock Carter Gordon inside of him. Now, Rev, can you just unpack um, the concussion information around Matt Tamua because I know that he didn't go on the spring tour at the end of the year because of concussion symptoms from the Wallabies B team match against the Western Force. Is that still ongoing? As far as I've heard, there hasn't been lingering concussion issues at the moment. The bigger issue seems to be his neck and just, you know, small moments of cramping and just trying to make sure that's settled for the season because obviously that's, you know, one of the most important areas for these players, making sure that it's, you know, fully mobile and they're not putting themselves at greater risk. So, my concern at the moment would be that he may miss mm. part of the start of the season if that's ongoing. Um, they're in a predicament where they don't really have that many options. I, I could see them sort of rushing him back if he's sort of 85 to 90% ready to go just because they don't have that settled 12. But at the same time, maybe that's what they're really going to try and make the most of this preseason. Get some other players playing that 12 um, you know, role, just making sure they can distribute. 
Because ideally, we see Carter Gordon get a full season with Powell and Tamua inside and outside him. Correct. And so that's why I think Tamua is so important. Because if you look at Powell, he's got 86 caps. Gordon has eight. Anderson, Lockie Anderson, who we're guessing is probably going to be lining up at 11, is has eight caps. Tamua has 118. But Stacey Ely, who's probably the most likely to start at 13, is only on 12. And then he got 40 and 75 for Callaway and Hodge. So uh, there's... There, there is experience, but it's there are a few incredibly inexperienced players mixed among it. And whilst Carter Gordon did work quite well in the trans-Tasman from an attacking point of view for the Rebels, um, I think if Tamua, that this injury concern does kind of linger on and he doesn't play, what do you do? Do you move Hodge from fullback, which is arguably his best position, into 12? Do you move Illy in one position? Like, there's there are question marks about who you would be putting into that 12 position that significantly weakens the quality of the Rebels' back line overall. Andrew Kellaway. <laughs> he can do anything, Mr. Fix. Yep. Uh, the player for me who I think is going to be massively important for the Rebels this year is Reese Hodge. We saw last year that Matt Tamua struggled with the captaincy and the weight of winning games, particularly late when in Super Rugby U, they were still in it and it came down to a few penalty kicks towards full time and he just wasn't able to nail them. Uh, and when Reese Hodge got injured in that force game, he, he, was it a, a, a knee that he did? Um, Tim Anstey Yeah, Tim Anstey cleaned him up as he yep. went for a field goal. Uh, from that point on, the Rebels really struggled and Matt Tamua specifically needs a player like Reese Hodge around him to take some of that pressure off, to lead some of the players outside him and lead such a young team as well. And when Matt Tamua was off having an off night on the kicking tee, to have Reese Hodge come in and take over is a massive utility. So I think if they can keep Reese Hodge, Reese Hodge fit throughout the most of this season, I think we'll be able to take some of that pressure off Matt Tamua, which will then allow him to play better. Uh, Rev, who's your kind of key position or player for this year? A lot of the key ones have been um, touched on, but someone that I'm really keen to see play and someone who I think has a big role this year is Rob Leota. Um, he's someone that, you know, spent a lot of time at lock last year just because there weren't many other options, but saw his hard work rate and form get rewarded with the Wallabies call-up. And we were all pretty sceptical. I, I was very vocal about not being impressed because my beloved Wilson was, you know, <laughs> being left at, uh, <laughs> left in Queensland. But I see him as having a huge role to fill now. Nasrani's not there. Uh, you still got the high work rate options of Kemeny, Hardwick, Wilk and Wells, all these players that could step in. But if you need a big ball carrier, Leota put on some serious size. He could show um, that sort of promise. And, was it against England, the try that he scored? It was one of the teams um, yep. Yep. where he just had a really nice line. And if he's running those angles, that's kind of what you want to see him doing in this team because I think we've got the work rate elsewhere. So for me, he's someone that I think and hope has a good season for the Rebels. I think another key player as well, just jumping in there quickly, is um, Trevor Hosea. So he has really been developing incredibly well as a up and coming lock and he's got 20 caps to his name so far. I think having the international pedigree that Matt Phillip will bring. Um, now, 
Ross Hewlett-Petty is an experienced lock and he, he's got 69 caps to his name, brings a lot of experience within kind of Australian domestic rugby, but that's not the same as the international experience and the overseas experience too. And so I think that he having that opportunity just to have a full preseason, a full season with, um, we're assuming it'll be Philip and Jose to start, um, partnering with each other in the locking department will be excellent. The forward pack for the Rebels is a really strong point for them. Um, I, I, a little bit concerned if they have a couple of injuries within the kind of locking department. But with that being said, their back row options are just freaking stacked. Um, and their front row is incredibly strong if everybody remains uninjured. They don't have a huge amount of experience, but a great amount of potential and power within their front row options. And um, and around that, I think this year is going to be a massive year for Pone Farmacilli. I think he's shown through the last few years that he's got the potential to really step up for the Wallabies. And he's been included in camp. And were it not for that unfortunate injury towards the end of last year where he ended up not being taken on the spring tour, I think he might have seen some minutes there with the way that other injuries uh, panned out. But Pone really, this is his year to, to show the, uh, the, the rugby world really that he is a test cap level player and that he can consistently perform for the Rebels and perform big minutes because he's going up against players like um, Slipper and uh, Tupo. So he really needs to have a big year. Do we think that he has shown enough potential in the offseason so far to, to carry that form over into 2022, Rev? I think so. I think one of the things that's been most impressive for him is he was just sort of a highlights package and because he was sort of carrying a lot of extra weight than a lot of other players, it did look impressive when he was running into contact at what, six, three or four and 140 something kilos. The images coming up look like he's shed a fair bit of that. He's looking massive, but a lot more vascular, a lot more muscly. Um, that's quite a good thing. I think for the rebels, just in that if his core's on his, um, you know, his scrummaging is going to be a lot better, but he still retained the size to do damage in contact. The important thing to remember, he's only 24. So he's got, you know, quite a high ceiling still. And I think you would still expect a young prop to have a bit of that sort of puppy fat or that, you know, they're still developing into that, um, I guess, battle-hardened player. Um, with only 20 Super Rugby caps, we're probably expecting a lot more than, you know, he should be delivering at the moment. But I think there's no reason why he couldn't be the next tight head in line. It should be a real shootout between him and Harry Johnson Holmes this year to see who can join Tupo and Alatoa on tour. Yeah, good call. Um, I think we've spoken enough around our key players' oppositions. Did anyone have anything else they wanted to say before we moved into our predicted finishes? Nope, I'm all good, mate. Great. So we'll start with you, Ando. Where do you see the Rebels finishing in 2022 and how many wins can they expect? I think they're going to be on the cusp of the playoffs, um, kind of in that really interchangeable kind of seven to 10 um, area where a lot of teams could very easily shift and jockey with each other. Um, I think we've mentioned it before. We're probably going to see the two new teams, Moana Pacifica and Fiji and Drua, um, really struggle this year, as most new teams do within any competition. Um, so I think that that's 12 and 11 that are locked up. Uh, Waratahs will probably be cellar dwellers, unfortunately. Um, as well. So I think that we're probably going to see the force just above that crew. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're around about nine or 10, particularly if Matty Tamua, unfortunately, um, does have an injury that keeps him out for the start of the season. 
I, I want them to do more and I think they've got some excellent players, but I just am not sure with their backline particularly, um, especially if Tamu is injured, whether they've got the quality in that backline to be mixing it with the Reds, with the Brumbies and with any of the Kiwi teams. Rev, where do you see the Rebels finishing? Yeah, I, I have them at 11th um, when previewing them and I think they could finish higher. Uh, as Ando said, like that sort of bottom section of the table that's just right around that sort of last playoff position nearly any team could fill the problem for me as touched on is i just don't think they've got the depth in backs to go a full season at the moment um looking at the possible 23 they've got bench like they could call on james hansen you know a, a super rugby centurion a test player that's really handy to have uh hardware caleb petty as mentioned like they've got the caps under the belt it's the backs where i'm thinking you know uh, Tonema Paya, Vodongo, um, Skelton, Pincus, all these players that they could bring in, all of them have under five caps. Um, you know, so like that's not really much beneath uh, their starting 15. So they've really got to keep them healthy if they're going to persevere. I'll probably see them getting a few wins at the start, but struggling against the Kiwis again at the end. So yeah, put me down for 11th and maybe three wins. Come on, boys. Where's the faith? <laughs> I'm uh I'm gonna Somebody be positive. To I'm gonna be I'm gonna flip the coin a bit, and I'm gonna say that the rebels, uh, if they can keep, if they can stay and play their games in Melbourne this year, and if they can host the super round or yeah super round, uh, in that first Trans Tasman window, I think that's going to be a big thing for them and for Melbourne as well for rugby in Melbourne to be able mm-hmm. to have all of the teams playing in Melbourne over the course of a weekend. So I'm gonna put them in eighth place. I think they'll come in a t- above the, rep- the the Tars and the Force. I think they'll scrape through and make the finals, but I don't think they'll get much further than that. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic and say that they have some talent in their back line to be able to cover enough injuries that may come. They've got players like Reese Hodge, Andrew Kellaway, who could be who could play centre if they needed to. Um, they've got enough combinations there to to make it work. Where some of the other teams in Super Rugby this year, may not have players like of that caliber that can move around in the back line. So I'm going to be optimistic. I think Kevin Foote's going to be great for this side as well. I think he's going to bring in something different and a completely different approach to how they're going to play. So yeah, let's say they're going to make the playoffs again, eighth. And in terms of wins, I don't know how much you need. What, is it eight wins to get to eighth spot? Whatever it is. Let's go with that. <laughs> Great. Well, I think we can leave it there. Is that all good, team? Anything else you want to add into this conversation? Well, we just wanted to do our, our last cheeky little oh bit of gosh, the number of that? inclusions in the Wallaby squad. The most squad. important. The most, most important. important. Um, well, do you need I'm a moment to think? Counts. We'll go to we'll go to Rev first. Yeah, I think for the Rebels at the moment, I'm probably seeing them getting maybe four or five Wallabies. In there again, trying to factor in how many I've given to the Reds and Brumbies and Waratahs so far. Um, th- there's a few that you know will definitely make the squads. They've got so many that are on the cusp, though. Mm. There's so many here. Like, if we're picking a squad of uh, say 45, if it was a wider squad that you're taking overseas, you probably take about 10 of these guys. But if we're narrowing it down to that sort of 33, 35, maybe for a Bledisloe Cup and uh, Rugby Championship. I'll probably see a few of the backs, a few of the forwards, but I wouldn't say more than five. Okay. Yeah, for me, I'm hitting about five as well. I'd be going Philip, Jose, Leota as three, then Kellaway and Hodge 
um, from the backs. Uh, with honourable mentions to Cam or Jordan Ulysses, Pony Farmer Silly as being mm. on that cusp, as Rev was saying, um, with maybe one or two injuries being enough to call them in. Give that give those players one or two more years, particularly Cam or Pony. And yeah, they're they're going to be a regular part of the conversation, I think, moving yeah. forward. Maybe not this year, but moving forward. Yeah, from what I've seen in the off-season through social media and stuff, I think both Pone and Camor have dropped a fair bit of weight in their off-season. They're looking really fit and looking really reinvigorated and they're looking for a good big year of Super Rugby. So I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say seven or eight. I think some of those players might be pushing for inclusion or even just be uh, in the conversation come Wallaby's time in sort of Mm -hmm. June, July this year. So let's go with eight. I think just on Cam Moore, you said lost a bit of weight, but I think there's at least two kilos in that mustache. He was looking very good in that interview. So just let, let's not let that go um, unnoticed. It's real Tom Selleck vibes there. So yeah. Good call, Rev. Good call. All right. Well, thanks, everyone. I think that wraps us up for the Rebels for this year. Uh, any last thoughts anyone wants to say or are we good to wrap it up? I'm happy, mate. I think right. that's been a good chat. I've enjoyed it. Fantastic. Well, thanks, everyone, for getting to this part of the pod. Thanks for Cam Orr for coming on and chatting to us. It was great to get your insights. And, um, yeah, go the Rebels this year. Go any Australian team. And uh, looking forward to Super Rugby kicking off in a few weeks. Very keen. Get involved. Catch you later, team. Bye. Bye.